Welcome to the Hidden Temple. The rooms are filled with lost treasures that are protected by mysterious Mayan temple guards. Olmec knows the legend behind each of the treasures in his temple. Which one are we going to hear about today? The legend of the Oracle Bowl of Delphi. Well, one of these six teams will have a chance to retrieve the Oracle Bowl. Will it be the Red Jaguars? The Blue Barracudas? The Green Monkeys? The Orange Iguanas? The Purple Parrots? Or the Silver Snakes? We'll have to pass some pretty tough physical and mental tests, and in the end, only one team will earn the right to enter Olmec's temple. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Good morning, all you jaguars, barracudas, monkeys, iguanas, parrots, and snakes. This is Big Orange Couch, the '90s Nickelodeon podcast, where we talk about all things '90s Nickelodeon. My name is Joey. I'm Andrew. And we have a very special guest with us uh, today, uh, Jacob Hall. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. I I, I think you found me because I was just tweeting about the <laughs> show late one night while drinking too much. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, yeah. So, Andrew, what are we talking about today? Uh, this is episode number 202. We're talking Legends of the Hidden Temple, the Oracle Bowl of Delphi. <laughs> Yeah, what else could we be talking about? Um, yeah, Jacob, you know, as uh, as you can do on Twitter, you know, if someone tweets about Nickelodeon and it gets enough likes, it'll pop up uh, in our feed as something we might be interested in. And it popped up, and I was very excited because, one, I'm actually a fan of Slash Film, uh, which is I, I, where, you're, where you're based out of. And then I saw that you were watching it, which was also very exciting. Um, binging? Are you binging? Is that... It depends on your definition of binge. I'm not watching it every night, but when I do, I'll watch five, five or six episodes at once while I get uh, progressively plastered while doing so, uh, while taking obsessive notes about which teams are making it to the Temple Run and if they fail or, or, or are victorious. And the, the stats are are disarming. It's alarming uh, how few of these children succeed. <laughs> In particular, and I think this might be why you picked uh, Bowl of Delphi, is that the Purple Parrots, season one, are very bad. Yes, it is. I, I'll double down on this. It is alarming how poor <laughs> the Purple Parrots are going. Look, look, I was born in Buffalo, New York, okay. I, which meant I grew up by default being a Buffalo Bills fan with NFL, which means that I embrace failure. Uh, the, the tragedy <laughs> of people failing appeals to me in a pretty profound way. So yeah. the Purple Parrots, watching them across the uh, 37 episodes I've logged so far, they have made to the Temple Run twice in all 37 <laughs> episodes. And this math should not be the way it is because it's not like you're it's like the people the kids are sorted by jersey colors or you're the most talented you're a red jaguar you're, you're the smartest you're a blue barracuda or whatnot it just means that somehow the worst kids end up as purple parrots consistently every single time and this somehow the curse of that purple shirt is destroying them yeah. and it's deeply powerfully sad i mean i remember as a kid rooting for certain colors because i like the colors and watching as an adult i'm like man i don't know why or how this happened there's there's a random chaos to this. And somehow, somehow the universe is conspired to destroy the purple parrots. Even the green monkeys who were bad for a long time suddenly start getting temple runs like, yeah. like three in a row later on. So I, I don't know why, but this is deeply upsetting. And it's why I picked this episode because it's the purple parrots first ever temple run. First ever temple run, uh, you know, 
I guess, you know, we'll, we'll spoil it, but it, it doesn't go well. It goes exceptionally poorly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, were you were you uh, excited to get some legends in? This is the first formal episode review we're doing of one. Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, yeah, you know what? It's funny that you say that about the Purple Parrots, because when I was watching this, I was thinking the Silver Snakes, to me, are like the bad guy of the show, or like the bad guys of the show. Wow. Um, New York what Yankees. Makes, what yeah. makes you think that? Because they're so good. Uh, yeah, but it, but as I was wa- well, as I was watching this episode, I started to think, you know, maybe the Silver Snakes always have like the, the cockiest kids on the team. Like they seem really kind of full of themselves in this episode, uh, yeah. even though they didn't go all the way. But yeah. um, you know, they're always—I don't know—I just they rub me the wrong way, I guess. Um, but it made me think, like maybe the kids are picking the shirt, their colors, and maybe like. The jerks are picking the silver snakes. Sorry I, if anybody listening was part of no, the silver I, snakes. You're onto something though, because according to my, my log, the red jaguars and silver snakes consistently for all, almost all of season one made to the temple uh, and made to the temple run. And just looking at pure numbers, the silver snakes. You're right. I, I do think they are the villains, whereas I think the red jaguars are more traditionally heroic i think maybe it's just the red colors mm-hmm. that feels more heroic and they're yeah. a jaguar is more of a it's a, it's a mammal so it, it's, it's we, we like it more because we can pet it it's not a slithery snake so <laughs> the two most talented teams in terms of the kids who the, the jaguars and the snakes they, they make it consistently to the end but where is when the jaguars get to the end i'm like oh yeah them again yeah of course the jaguars <laughs> when, the, when the snakes get there i'm like boo boo silver snakes yeah <laughs> Well, um, uh, I got a bombshell for you guys then. Uh, Kirk Fogg was asked what his favorite team was, and he said Silver Snakes. Oh, get out of here. (laughs) Look, Kirk Fogg, for all of what he does as a host, uh, clearly he's working hard. He's running around that set. He's rocking those short shorts. Uh, he, He clearly just has his, his head in the cloud. He doesn't remember how hard, how hard the orange iguanas had to work to get down those <laughs> steps every single episode. Oh man. We'll talk about those steps. Yeah. I, I did find a uh, Nerdist did a breakdown of stats. Um, mm-hmm. And so just so you guys know, uh, according to their stat keeping, the, of the six teams, purple parrots throughout the three seasons is the worst team. Um, they said that they were the second worst at the moat. Uh, mediocre on the steps and easily the worst during the challenges with the fewest appearances in the final run and the fewest wins. Uh, Check that. They said, they said wow. the, the parrots couldn't fly into an artifact if the whole tree was an artifact. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a str- it's a struggle for the purple parrots. Now, <clears throat> Jacob, did you watch this growing up? Were you a Legends kid? Yes, I, I'm... I guess I was born in the late '80s, so I missed yeah. this during its initial run. But I, when it was sort of repurposed and reshown again uh, in the '96, '97 era, mm-hmm. is when I started rewatching it religiously, and it just became, for me, the, the, the definitive live-action Nickelodeon show. For me, no show sums up what live-action Nick was about in the '90s more so than this. I mean, animation is a whole separate thing, whole other conversation. But there was always. There's always there's, there's a danger to '90s Nick that sticks with me all these years later, and, and, it's, and it's animation, but also in, in its game shows. I mean, here is a show that's yeah. kids being tormented, humiliated, put through physical challenges, being scared out of their wits by temple guards. It's, we watch them as they run through a labyrinth 
screaming at them to assemble that shrine of silver monkey statue. And they're just clearly confused and scared and don't know where they're going. Nickelodeon in the 90s was, was didn't wear kids' gloves, man, and said, this is real. This may be a temple game show, but it's real. Life is full of failure, kids. We're going to watch you fail on television. Grow up. Grow up right now in front of everybody. And that's why it's yeah. the greatest Nickelodeon show of all time. It yeah. There really is that element of watching kids lose in live time. And as an adult, you yeah. maybe appreciate it even more. Like, I'm watching these kids' faces as they're told they're about to win nerds. You know, like... Uh, <laughs> Um, it's pretty um, incredible. Yeah, and especially on this show, so many of the kids are, like, lose. There's so many yeah. opportunities to lose, like, more than any other show. And then you're out, you know? Yeah, on, on, on Guts, there's always a winner. One person always wins on Guts. Yeah, and they it's all not, go to the end. It's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, at least you got a one in three chance on Guts, but you're right. There's uh, there's 12 kids playing and potentially zero win. <laughs> yeah. And more, more often than not, zero do win. Like, this, the stats, we've talked about this before, but... Um, Kirk Fogg has straight up said that the show didn't have enough money uh, for kids to win mm, yeah. uh, a lot. So, in fact, uh, I think only 30-some teams ever won um, because they had Amazing. to save up. They had to save uh, amazing. Up. I, I, there, are, there are times where the Temple Run seems very stacked against those kids. Like, those Temple Guards yes. are stacked in a way to make sure those kids can't get a trip to the Bahamas. Oh, sure, they, wow. they can win a trip to, the, to a dude ranch or to Space Camp, but man, once <laughs> the Bahamas, you gotta, gotta make sure they, they gotta work for those Bahamas trips. Yeah. You almost, yeah, you can almost, like, determine by the prize package as to whether you're going to win your run or not. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of brilliant, really, the whole Temple concept, like, designed in such a way that they can heavily influence who's going to win or lose yeah i do want to say that uh this episode from season one is remarkably low budget compared to the later episodes <laughs> uh which which have more atmospheric lighting they uh more inventive camera work they have a handheld camera later on it's like it's like moving around they have cameras inside the temple they have fog over the moat uh olmec is better lit the whole thing seems spooky and more mysterious but something about season one with its harsh lighting and aggressively cheap and reused uh games that, like it was being repurposed in the, in the in the smallest ways something about it just screams the harshness of like the world's most brutal summer camp as opposed to a tv show and i think that's why i dig it yeah yeah uh also i just i think from as a kid especially um the whole setup of this show is like you're in the game more than any of these other game shows. So it's like you are, you know, you kind of have the illusion of being in this other place and uh, interacting with this crazy stuff. Um, whereas the others are like a little less, uh, what do you call it? Just like they don't not as if, suck like, you in as much. Yeah, not as immersive. Yeah, yeah. Immersive. Yeah. I, I know there is, there is like this kind of, Aw shucks quality like Kirk Fogg stumbling around in his pockets to try to find a pendant. Like I, I love that. <laughs> Kirk Fogg flubs his lines so much. I don't think it's Kirk Fogg's fault. I think he's a fine presenter. I yeah. just I, the show is clearly so low budget that they need to do one take and move on for a lot of the stuff. So like when you see them like sprint off camera running to the next setup for the next game, I mean I'm not sure it's the editing trick. I think they're literally running from thing to thing with, with no time for alternate <laughs> takes. I legitimately believe that. Yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah, particularly during the uh, the temple games, like um, is that what they're called? The temple challenges. The temple um, games, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's live almost. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, also, like, you get a Kirk Fogg versus, say, Mike O'Malley. Like, you get um, just a whole different dynamic. Do you prefer one over the other, Andrew? Well, I think Mike O'Malley's just, like, he is, like, born to be that presenter guy where Kirk Fogg is like a little bit, he has to put a little more effort into it. I think to be sure. that guy. Um, yeah. well, there's a thing about Kirk Fogg. There's an innocence to Kirk Fogg. Like he, like he feels yeah, like yeah. he genuinely feels like these kids can trust him. Like he, I, I feel like when he goes to the kids and like tells them a good job or tells them, Hey, you know, better luck next time. There's a gentleness to him that I really appreciate. And it's such harsh contrast with the, with the game itself, which is so yeah. harsh and unforgiving. <laughs> I feel like Kirk Fogg is, not, not a father figure, I'm an uncle figure. He's a big brother figure. And I feel yeah. like it's really, he, he fits the show really well because when you when you get beat up by bullies in the, in the temple and thrown out in your face and you're crying, you, you want a big brother to come by and tell you it's going to be okay and give you a Snickers bar. And I feel like <laughs> Kirk Fogg is, is like the Nickelodeon equivalent of your big brother with a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's 100%. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Um, I It's... If you were like, if you pay attention to uh, his um, commentating during the games, it's really interesting because it's like he's he's like uh, walking a fine line between rooting for the teams and like not saying anything that will too harshly criticize anyone. But it's so hard to do that. Uh, it's pretty humorous. Yeah, and during the final temple run, he. You can tell when he's, he's commentating or when he's desperately trying to help the kids out. So, please, please, the door is open. You, the, the, the silver monkey statue is incorrect. And you can you can hear in some episodes, he's doing a pretty casual commentary. The kids have it down. But in the case of this episode, he is pleading with these kids to do it right. He's begging for them to please move on. For the love of God, please do this right. I am begging you, listen to the sound of my voice. He He's definitely yeah. a guide. Um it is amazing how patient he is because I'm sitting on my couch, like convulsing uh, that this girl can't figure out that, it, you know, she just has to put it in a slot. And he's just so like, very like calmly, you know, like it goes in the slot, find the slot, at the front <laughs> slot at the front. Like, you know, he's, but perhaps I, I think they film so many in a day. He's probably like, um, I almost think he's maybe a little fried, uh, which probably adds to it. Yeah, my, my wife and I had a conversation. She thinks no. I'm not convinced to no. know. Do you think Kirk Fogg, in certain episodes, has cocaine eyes to keep himself awake? <laughs> um, I, well, so Olmec was voiced by D. Bradley Baker. And the, the rumors are that those two, you know, would party pretty hard with the writers. So I, I think there's a chance. I don't know. I think there's a chance that they're either like drunk or high. In some cases, <laughs> look. This is Orlando, Florida, in the '90s. I guarantee you, all those guys, like with the mullets, helping out around the edges of the moat, they, they're all high. They're all high. <laughs> the temple guards are just like lying in the foam, uh, you know, passed out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I there's, there's, a, there's one guy in particular. There's a blonde-haired guy with a mullet who's in every episode. He's like crouching down, helping kids with the moat stuff. He's getting games set up. He looks very, he, he very enthusiastic. He claps. And every time I see him, I have to point him out. I say, there's our guy. Every time, every time we're watching an episode. And uh, he is absolutely a stoner. He is absolutely taking big puffs between takes. And I'm very happy to see him clearly enjoying his deadbeat job in Orlando where he probably goes home to his parents, smokes some more, and just wakes up and goes to Nickelodeon Studios the next day, living the dream. <laughs> absolutely. 
the broken shattered dream <laughs> yes, replaced right. by the blue the by the blue man group show <laughs> yeah um did now did you guys andrew i think we've talked about this but i can never remember did you have a favorite team we've talked about maybe our dislike of silver snakes but is there a team that you feel like drawn towards uh yeah for me it's kind of blue barracudas mm-hmm. um i think i just like the blue color mostly yeah we we pulled people on instagram and blue barracudas was definitely barracudas and parrots were uh kind of the mm. two big front runners oh. um, jacob is there a team that you find yourself rooting for oh purple, par- purple parrots underdog every time yeah. I, I, <laughs> look you can't be disappointed if, if they always fail <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah there's there's only it can only go up right it can only get better well, this episode aired December 5th, 1993. It's season one. It was uh, it, in, in production. It was the 20th episode filmed. It aired 22nd, uh, but it's first season. We've talked about December of 1993 on the show, but since I figured we had Jacob here, uh, we we could look at that month uh, as far as the films that came out. Um, and by the way, Jacob, I figure better at the top of the show. Do you want to do just kind of a quick plug as to where people can find you and uh, what, what you do? Yeah, I'm the senior news editor at SlashFilm.com, which means I'm just sort of have my fingers in the creative direction of that website, what's going up, you know, overseeing the writers, occasionally writing myself. Uh, and I host, uh, co-host a uh, Star Trek and Doctor Who podcast with my uh, <laughs> fellow editor, Hoi Chambui, called Trekking Through Time and Space. So if you like Doctor Who and Star Trek and uh, listening to two people talk about it, uh, that's a show you should definitely check out. For sure. Such a fun premise, uh, right? I believe it's Oh, I'm trying to keep it right. It's uh, it's you that was unfamiliar with uh, Doctor Who and uh, HT that was unfamiliar more with uh, Star Trek. And you guys, yeah. And then she she her. guides me through Who, I guide her through Trek, and uh, it turns out we both love both shows. So it ended yeah. up being a really positive, heartwarming experience. It's, it's <laughs> a genuinely positive show, which I was yeah. really worried it wouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> no, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it awesome. Andrew, you're a big fan of both, right? Yeah, more Star Trek probably, but uh, I've been watching Doctor Who a lot over the past decade, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, that month, December 1993, the films that come out... So our number one films, we have three number one films. uh, Mrs. Doubtfire for a week, Mm. Wayne's World 2 for a week, and we got The Pelican Brief for two weeks. Um, But listen to the other films that come out. You just don't get months like this anymore. Uh, so you got Mrs. Doubtfire, Wayne's World 2, Pelican Brief. You also get Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. We've, we've oddly yeah. talked about this film at length on this podcast. Uh, you get Schindler's List, Beethoven the Second, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Philadelphia, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Grumpy Old Men, Tombstone, Ghost in the Machine, and In the Name of the Father. What was going on in this month of 93? <laughs> what a selection of movies. What happened? I love I love that it's like uh, you have the choice of going to see Philadelphia or Grumpy Old Men. like Or Schindler's, Schindler's List. Schindler's List or Mas- Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Both masterpieces, by the way. Both yeah. straight up masterpieces, but in completely different directions. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Tombstone. What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I think technically Mrs. Doubtfire may have come out in November, but it was number one in December. Yeah, the movie was huge. Um, uh, I am I'm an anti Mrs. Doubtfire person, but I, wow. I, I, I yeah, I, but I, I I know it's popular, I know it's beloved, I know it made so much damn money. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it 
you know, it took over in the last week of November. I saw Adam's Family Values was number one, which is one of my favorites. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, great time at the movies. Yeah. Uh, do you have sure. any particular favorites there, Jacob? I mean, like, not to bring the room down, but Shinda's List actually is yeah. a really great movie. It lives up to its reputation, which is nothing you can say about a lot of, you know, the big Oscar-winning, you know, sad epics. Yeah. I think Batman, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is straight up maybe my favorite Batman movie. Oh. Um, because I think the animated series is my favorite Batman. Yeah. Uh, mm. But it, it, uh, um, Philadelphia, you know, aged interestingly, but really really powerful for its time and, and really a really important uh, benchmark for LGBTQ filmmaking, you know, in, in the 90s. Um, Wayne's World 2. Uh, I know people prefer it over the first one in a lot of cases. Uh, it, it's interesting sequel. I, I know yeah. that was a movie that they, yeah. that they rewrote the last second, so it, knowing that makes it more interesting than if you don't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah just overall, that's just a odd collection of... What's Ian Gilbert great? Like, man, what, what another movie that, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start off that list. I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, any favorites there? Uh... Definitely Wayne's World 2 would be my top Really? Pick. Yeah. See, I, re- I revisited it uh, maybe four months ago. I don't know. It's just a little, like, parody-ish. It seems like a parody of itself. It's kind of weird. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I love I so much about it. It's so, like, bizarre. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Sammy Davis Jr. in the desert. Um, <laughs> I just... <laughs> it felt weird. Okay. All right. I'll, I'm going to go with a... a pro- Probably go with Seton Gilbert Grape, I guess. Uh, mm, yeah. Sure. No one said the Pelican Brief. Clearly, the, <laughs> the greatest, the greatest of the John Grisham adaptations. <laughs> the only one that was number one for two weeks. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I I don't know if I've seen the Pelican Brief in full. I feel like I've seen it like in five minute segments on TNT or something. But uh, I've read the book and seen it. I can't tell you what the Pelican Brief actually is. <laughs> it's, it's a it's, it's, it's a Washington Julia Roberts and a bird in the title, but it's no actual bird in the movie. That's all I can tell you. Is that Richard Gere? No. no I thought it was, I thought it was Denzel. Am I, am I wrong? I no. I, I don't. I I don't know Jacob. I, 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 I'm, going, I'm going to Google this right now because if I got Richard Gere and Denzel Washington confused, I'm never going to live it down. Okay, it is Denzel. Okay, it's Denzel. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, I but there was a, there was that window though where Richard Gere and Denzel competed for the same parts. I feel like late late eighties to early nineties. Yeah, there was like a lot of lawyer movies. Uh, yeah. I feel like if it's a lawyer movie, I just assume Richard Gere was in it. Um, yeah. All right, we're way off topic here, uh, Andrew. Should we? Should we talk about the Oracle Bowl of Delphi? Sure, let's do All it. Right. The Oracle Bowl of Delphi. Uh, <laughs> and I want to note that it's really, they keep calling it in the episode, the three-legged bowl of Delphi. Yeah. So they must have, yeah. I mean, I know, like, the Oracle Bowl is also descriptive of it, but it's just they're, strange. They're sticklers about their historical accuracy, that's all. Yeah. Oh. I assume this is because they had <laughs> sure. a trivia question in their back pocket for the for the steps, how many how many legs does a bull have? That's all I can think. Of. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first uh, um, event, let's say, as always, is uh, crossing the moat. Yeah. Do you and like that? It's I always like the same thing. Uh, I saw. Man, I like how brutal it is. Just like cutting these kids out right at the beginning, <laughs> but. You know, I also feel bad for them. Like, if I was on the show and I was one of those kids and got cut on the moat, I'd be so upset. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the worst when it's not 
the second kid's fault because in this particular game, you have to pull yourself on a rope mm-hmm. on, the, on this inner tube yeah. and then toss the inner tube across the length of the moat. And some of these children, these small children, don't have the upper body strength to get the, yeah. the toss far enough. So there's this second kid who's on Legend of the Hidden Temple and he can't even cross the moat. He can't even paddle himself because his partner or their partner cannot throw the tube far enough. <laughs> and you just see these kids just standing there bone dry never had a chance because number one failed them Damn, like right from the start of the show is kicking kids while they're down yeah you never make it any not even one step into the activity well well here's um, here's a little fact um we were talking about how live it seems but this event in particular i guess was pretty heavily edited um it yeah. says that the moat crossing which on the show usually takes one to two minutes actually sometimes took between 25 and 30 minutes to complete uh, that's kirk, horrible these, these kids are so tired <laughs> kirk fogg said we could have just done one show on the moat crossing and then cut to the credits and called it a day <laughs> it's terrible um, yeah that adds a whole new dimension to how those kids look after they've crossed yeah it, it, it starts it starts to add up on the steps of knowledge as to why they're like you know jumping Olmec on the questions uh, they're tired um yeah that's brutal 30 minutes of that screwing around. It's like when they finally make it to the buzzer, it's gotta be like they're huffing and bent over. And you wonder how like maybe some teams that do well, maybe they're just standing there for 20 minutes. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. God. It's even worse. It means that it means that second kid who never even touches the water is standing there failing for 25, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A whole new dimension. Um, um, well, the teams our... that, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the teams that were victorious after this event were the Purple Parrots, the Orange Iguanas, the Green Monkeys, and by a hair, the Silver Snakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, this is brutal, too. Just, like, the how close this was. Um, if I was the... Uh, now I can't remember which team lost out to them, but... Um, uh, red, red, uh, red Jaguars. Red Jaguars. Oh, man. If you get beaten by that, like, last-second buzzer... Yeah, tough. Right there, just by a hair, we've got our four teams, and they are the Green Monkeys, the Orange Iguanas, the Purple Parrots, and the Silver Snakes. Nice try, Blue Barracudas and Red Jaguars. You're not going to go empty-handed. Here's what we've got for you. Nerds brand candy, the tiny, tangy, crunchy candy with intense um, As you noted, the... Uh, the <laughs> booby prize for this event was a box of nerds apparently (laughs) just Uh, if you weren't already just like beaten down yeah strangely enough maybe not maybe not the worst prize on the show uh what is the worst prize i think it's the worst prize no no the worst prize has has to be the 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 music what are they called the the musical um suckers um The ones that doubles whistles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like at least nerds are a, a standby candy that still exists and have its fans yeah. and have flavors and like you can enjoy those nerds. Yeah. Whereas those were like st- sticky pieces of plastic nonsense that never worked and broke and had their window of time and vanished. It's just how gross we handed this musical instrument masquerading as candy. I just want yeah. to, if I'm going to fail, give me real candy, please. Um, yeah, I don't hate the nerds. It, it, it would be one thing if they were like, you get a case of nerds, you know, then it'd be like, okay, that's significant. You don't, you don't think they get a case? 
Do you think they get a box? I feel like I feel like some guy ran down to like the nearest gas station and grabbed like, whatever the, ca- the closest candy was. Um, not to mention uh, the candy is just like another slap in the face. Nerds. It's like saying that the losers were the nerds. <laughs> I think you're reading too much into it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think I think he's right. This show is, is built in its bones to cause pain, so you can't read too deep. <laughs> Um, um, should we hear should we hear Olmec's story? Oh yeah. The ancient kingdom of Lydia was ruled by a very rich and very powerful king named Croesus. He had a lot of money, but he wasn't very happy. He thought, if I could conquer Persia, I would be the richest and most powerful man in the world, and that would make me happy. But before he attacked the Persians, he decided to ask the fortune teller at the Temple of Delphi if he was making the right decision. Oh, great fortune teller, he began. If my armies attack Persia, what will happen? The fortune teller sat in a three-legged bowl munching on laurel leaves. She said, If King Croesus attacks the Persians, a great empire will be destroyed. Croesus went home and promptly attacked Persia. The battle raged for 14 days, but when it was over, Croesus had lost. By attacking the Persians, he had destroyed a great empire. His own. Years later, the Temple of Delphi was abandoned and everything inside was lost. Your quest is to retrieve the fortune teller's three-legged bowl from the temple and bring it back here. Thank you, Olmec. So where is the bowl? The three-legged bowl can be found in the observatory. Very good. Uh, you know, the first thing that struck me re-watching this was I did not remember the old D. Bradley Baker doing these, like... Uh, poor imitation voices of <laughs> these historical figures <laughs> this one was like comic yeah the combination of that plus the uh clear pa who they put a wig on for all like the, the scenes where they like they, here's this ancient historical figure and it's always some white guy wearing a wig uh later on they have like ancient looking art to replace this but in season one it's just whoever they could find does he have the right skin tone for the, for the region probably not but go for it anyway and it's just it's real rough it's, it's like it's like a pa walk through a party city and whatever stuck to him is what they put on camera yeah uh, i love these uh, Olmec stories. I, I looked this up just a, briefly just to see like if there was any accuracy to it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's like broadly accurate what they're saying. Is it, is it irresponsible though that Legends of the Hidden Temple will take real people in real stories and then tell completely fake ones, episode by episode basis, like like myth, mything, uh, mixing mythology with real facts, but never differentiating which one is real. I mean, yeah, that's a problem. That's it, a problem. Like, sometimes they'll, they'll meld it even more. Like there's, a, there's the Amelia Earhart episode where it turns out that she Amelia Earhart went, went missing because she lost her her, her pig toy, and that's why. <laughs> so, it's, uh, but then it's like you know, uh, here's the story of Alexander the Great or or not someone who's very real, and here's a, a shade of truth to it. Next episode, Pecos Bill uh, rode a tornado across three states. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I know it's a kid's show. I shouldn't be overthinking this, but I, I always found it peculiar that they there's like just no consideration whatsoever yeah. given to like letting kids know, hey, this is educational when it needs to be, and then it's not very suddenly. <laughs> well, that's yeah. where that's where the legends part comes in. I mean, <laughs> arguably, this is like worse than just all of them being completely made up. 
because now it's like yeah especially confusing like what's real anymore <laughs> i mean this is just the era of the carmen san diego game show which yeah. was you know very educational yeah. and very accurate for the most yeah. part so it's very strange that legend and temple is like hey, we're accurate about half the time it's half the time <laughs> yeah. you got all these like incredulous third graders yelling at their teachers like pecos bill is real um yeah exactly um, well, um, I hope people were listening. I figured we could maybe read the questions and give the options and people at home could play. Mm, Is that yeah. cool, Andrew? Let's do it. Yeah. Question number one. Is, Is Delphi, Delphi located in Persia, Persia Italy, or Greece? Or Greece? The answer... <laughs> Is Greece. <laughs> yeah, orange the iguanas. silver snakes chill. That's took that one. Cool. <laughs> uh, that's another thing I wanted to mention. Uh, these, this like stamping on the um, step of knowledge to get it to actuate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. it, it is devastating to watch kids who are clearly faster and smarter, yes. but not strong enough to activate yeah. the step. I mean, by season two, they've replaced the, the ancient markings, so it's very, like all kids do is tap it. Uh, and season two is like a big improvement te- tech-wise in that way. Uh, you don't see this happening as much, but season one, man, like the, it, you see like all the teams try to stomp at once and only the strongest survive beyond these steps. Absolutely. Um. Question number two. Was Croesus the king of Lydia, Syria, or Babylon? The answer, Lydia. And the purple parrots got that one. No doubt about it. (laughs) Was the fortune teller at Delphi also known as the orator of Delphi or the oracle of Delphi? And the answer is the oracle of Delphi. I think they, uh... They buzzed in before we got the third option. Yeah, um, yeah. The green monkeys got that one. Uh, did Croesus visit the Oracle to learn of the future, study history, or travel through time? And the answer is learn of the future. The purple parrots got that one. One step, one step left for them. <laughs> Was Croesus defeated by the Egyptians, the Romans, the Persians? And the answer is the Persians. The orange iguanas got that one. Uh, at Delphi, was the temple in honor of Hermes, Apollo, or, per- or Prometheus? And the answer is Apollo. The silver snakes got that one. Um, I feel like they start getting pretty good here soon. Uh, the capital of Greece is named for the Greek goddess of wisdom. Is she Athena or Spartacus? <laughs> Athena, of course. Uh, the purple parrots got that one. Um, they're, they're moving on. Now they start getting just like insane, in my opinion. The meaning of the fortune teller's message to Croesus was ambiguous. <laughs> this is the one. It's like, what the? Does what this does, mean? What it does false? it? What does ambiguous mean? Like, come on. Yeah, it has, it has nothing to do with the story. Uh, it had more than one meaning, or it was unconstitutional. <laughs> this question defeats the children. It is, it is incredible to watch. <laughs> Uh, the one, the one team rings in with one that's not even an option, right? They say it's true. Uh, yes, I, I think you're correct. Yes, yeah. I think orange iguanas then, just say it's true. Yeah. And then uh, silver snakes say it was unconstitutional. Right. I was just like, good, <laughs> good grief. Uh, Look at us, grown men mocking these children <laughs> as as, as the like producers intended. <laughs> true. 
I feel like even at that age, the unconstitutional one. Um, but according to legend, the oracle once told a king to hold a sports festival to avert war. Was this festival the World Wrestling Championships, the Super Bowl, or the Olympics? And of course, the answer is the Olympics. The Silver Snake got, got this one. Like, this is the kind of question that I feel like is there just to get things moving along. Get like, we yes. like, we need, yes. <laughs> That's enough. But they didn't question. even mention the Olympics in the story. This is really, uh, the Oracle oh, once told they? a king to, I don't, uh, yeah, maybe don't, I'm They tend to have that. a lot of a back, backlogs of random questions for when they <laughs> run out of story stuff. Like when, when, the, when the steps of knowledge go on for too long. Like when everybody's going down one step at a time, it's like really close and nail biting. By the end, it's a it's a real luck of the draw, wild card oh, yeah. situation because they're just going, "What's tangentially related to ancient Greece?" <laughs> oh yeah, that. Let's ask them that and see if these kids happen to be smart enough. Let's just do vocab. Ambiguous. Go. <laughs> um, oh, so, our two uh, winners here are the purple parrots and the silver snakes. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, and the prize for the second batch of losers. You're not going to go empty handed. Here's what we've got for you. Pair off with a new Laramie Super Soaker XXP 275 and 175. Of the original Super Soaker. New Laramie Super Soaker XXP's letter is better. I think I own this one. I remember Easy. these commercials vividly. <laughs> yeah, easily the yeah, best prize, uh, I think. Letter is better. Um, yeah, this was a great prize. Love like it. this is this is almost the time to lose right here on the steps. <laughs> yeah, you don't realize it probably <laughs> when you're a kid, but you're like, yes, I nailed it. Um, that brings us to the second temple game, the jeweled eyes. I just want <laughs> just want to note um, Kirk Fogg's explanation for this game. Many ancient Greek statues had heads made of gold with jeweled eyes. <laughs> wait, wait a second. I think we skipped okay. the first game. Oh. Yeah, my bad. I skipped over the first game. Crap. The first game is Roll Off the Stone. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. No problem. Um, in this one, uh, the kids have to, like, push this uh, foam stone up a slant. Uh, what's it, what do you call it? Like a ramp? Yeah, a ramp. A stone made of what looks like uh, this paper rolled up? I don't know what this is. All I know is that these poor kids trying to push this this weird paper boulder up a steep, slippery ramp while water is rushing down uh, on a a, a, a game looks like maybe cost 20 bucks to make. And it is is amazing. It is amazing how... How there's, there's no real connection to anything in the story about this about this yeah. game. It's just one of the games they built to, to repurpose all season, and they struggle with this. And it's it's that struggle that I find so fascinating. In that, it is just it is merciless. It, it's merciless to watch these two go head to head. It's merciless to watch uh, how there's no care for these kids. It's just kids. You're on your own. You win or you lose. Uh, good luck. And that's what I like about '90s Nick. It's just you know. It's a network for kids. I mean, no parents, which means you're on your own. Watch the the struggle is real, and the struggle on this torture chamber of a game is delightful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This last year, we got to talk to a contestant from Guts, Bernan Bryan, um, and he kind of gave us that like look behind it, which is really like you're just it's brutal. 
it, you know, you're doing it on your own. And there's like these actual rivalries. Remember Burnham Bryan said like, he actually like couldn't stand the kid he was going against. So like made him <laughs> yeah. go even harder. Um, so I, I love the idea that you like might be in, like Shane might be annoyed by Mike. It's like, all right, I'm going to destroy yeah. Mike. Um, <laughs> also the idea that you might be sitting there all day in between your turn to play a game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Cause they filmed them by event, right? Like you would, yeah. you would do uh whatever the moat and then there'd be five more filmings of the moat before you even moved on to your event um yeah to your basketball or your football what yeah have you. yeah but but legends worked the same way they would they would film it that way yeah um oh you know what uh i, I don't remember when the uh, introductions are maybe we should be introducing our <laughs> team members here should we should we hear uh should we hear kirk talk to them oh yeah but before we get started i'd like to talk to our team players here on the purple parrots we have shane how old are you shane 12 years old heard you want to be a marine biologist yeah i'd like to swim with dolphins because they're just the neatest creatures in the world and you've never swam with a dolphin? No, I haven't. Have you watched much Flipper? No. You might want to start watching Flipper. No. Okay, there you go. And what, what's your name? Jacqueline. And how old are you, Jacqueline? Eleven. And I, I heard you like to, to read teen magazines? Yes. What kind of teen magazines? Anything with Jeremy Jordan in it. He does the 9210 soundtrack. Aye! Let's hear it for the Purple Parrots! <laughs> and on the Silver Snakes, we have... M Mike. Mike, how old are you, Mike? 13 years old. And you play golf? I don't believe that. Yeah, well, I do. You play golf. How many years have you been playing? Three. Three years. Do you have any birdies? About three. Three birdies? What's your handicap? I don't know. Oh, okay. And what's your name? Jamie. How old are you, Jamie? 11. And uh, I heard you want to be a veterinarian. Yes. Why do you want to be a veterinarian? Because just to help the animals. Do you have any animals? I have a dog. What's his name? Her name is Cobra. That's a snake. No. No, it's not a snake. It's a dog. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's hear it for the silver snake. Okay, why don't you guys get set up for this next game, and I'll tell you what's going to happen over here. Nothing says uh, 90s kids' ambitions like marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think he had just caught that Seinfeld episode and was like, you know what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Also, I love when uh, Kirk says, you know, you should watch some Flipper, and he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I really love Jacqueline's, uh, she likes to read teen magazines about Jeremy Jordan, creator <laughs> of a song on the 90210 soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked it up. He, he's, a, he's a heartthrob. Uh, I didn't remember him, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. Kind of uh, I like think a, actually, like a Nick I think Carter you were looking going on. I think you might have been looking at a current day different guy who's named Jeremy Jordan. No way. This video was. I I searched Jeremy Jordan. Oh, the video. Okay. Yeah. I looked him up. Uh, I also looked him up. Uh, I'm just surprised by your description of him, based on how he looks today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not talking about him in 2021. Well, oh, that's what that's how I saw him. <laughs> well, 1993 Jeremy Jordan was a stud muffin. Uh, the winner of the first Temple game is Shane of the Purple Parrots. Did you? Uh, no, did you guys close. hear what? Did you, 
<laughs> Did you guys uh, catch what his what he attributed his win to? Come on over here. Nice job, man. How'd you do that so fast? I don't know. It was hard. It was really hard, but you did it like with ease. Strong legs. Oh, strong legs. Good job. Yeah, he's got those strong legs. Oh yeah, he's got those <laughs> strong legs. I love that. <laughs> Corrects me up. Um, so this is the second temple game. Is the jeweled eyes. And in this game, one player from each team will replace the eyes of these statues. When I say go, he'll grab a jewel from the center bin, crawl out to his team or out out to his team statue, and place a jewel in its eye. Then he'll go back to the center, grab another jewel, and they'll each work on their two corners. And the team that places the most jeweled eyes in 60 seconds wins. I want to see this, so let's get in position. Set the clock for 60 seconds. On your mark, get set. Uh, so go. they basically have to like but take these the foam cord. jewels and, and really like, try to pull themselves across these slick mats to this place the jewels on the eyes. This just looks <laughs> legitimately like a painful experience. And if you watch, if you binge the show, you see like the same format of of, of grabbing from the middle stretch across the foam mats, um, stick it to it, and fall back and do it again. Yeah. And I was trying to, like, picture the, the temple's writing room of, of the fill in the blanks. We have this template of this game. We need to do something related to the Greeks. Ah, eyeballs! And it's just... <laughs> I, it, I don't want to say it's creatively bankrupt, because, but I, want, I do want to say that it feels very lazy, <laughs> even by standards <laughs> of 90s game shows. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like they made up the games first and then tried to figure out some way to like connect them back to the story after the fact. It's so tortured. It has Jacob's to be because you see the same game used over and over again. So they have to use this template. We gotta, we gotta fill in the template somehow. What, what, what is it this time? Cowboys, Greeks, uh, do some cocaine, we'll figure it out. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Jacob, you've been watching it. Do you just see these games over and over? Oh yeah, you see the same game like six episodes in a row sometimes. <laughs> they just like change out like what kind of thing you're velcroing to the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise, the exact same games. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, well, this this well, is another win- parrot's uh, winner. Yeah. Yep. Now Jacqueline. Nice again. job. Nice job with the eyes over there. Silver snakes had a little trouble getting their grip over there, but the purple parrots did a great job. They get. And if I can find it, it's around here somewhere. It's a half a pendant of life. Here it is. Nice job. Let's go check out our next game. It's worth a whole pendant. This is when I realized this could be the dream team. This could be, this could be, their, this could be their time to shine. <laughs> yeah. After one, or is that? Oh, yeah, two wins. Um, uh, yeah, that brings us to the third temple game, Temple of Apollo. Um, this is probably like the coolest. This is always the third game. I feel like is always the coolest of the early games, like yeah, always in- most involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this one they had to like they have to like work on this pulley system where one of them goes up and the other goes down, and they bring these like foam circles up and try to get them on on top of a a uh, like pole basically. Yeah, and watching this one repeatedly over a course of 30-some-odd episodes, you realize that some kids just get that rhythm. If, if mm-hmm. the kids get the rhythm of, like, oh, my weight counterbalances your lifting, <laughs> yeah. well, if, if they figure that out, they do great. But some kids just, you know, haven't taken those physics classes yet. They can't cooperate. And 
and you just see some kids just hovering there in place for the entire minute, like each of them like half a <laughs> yeah, foot off the ground. Yeah. It's like looking desperate, waving their arms as they're trying to fly. And some kids just rock and roll it. And it, it's really <laughs> wild to, to see how some kids can do the basic problem solving and some some just can't on national television. Yeah. <laughs> this one was uh, a nail biter, actually. And it came down to like a last second point. Oh, they did. They got it up in time. Silver snakes. Nice job. Got one, two, three, four, five. The purple parrots in the last second got one, two, three, four, five. That gives them, a, that's a tie, gives them a full pendant. But the purple parrots are going to the temple with two pendants. Nice job. Silver snakes. Excellent, excellent match here. Did a great job. You're not going to go away empty-handed. We've got something special for you both. British Knights. Makers of BK Ratchtech with Cyber Glow. BK Ratchtech. Prepare. Uh, which, beautiful. Like, I'm so glad to see a tie, uh, just to see the results, even though they're not exciting. Oh, you could tell Kirk was pumped. He was pumped to see a tie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there should have been, like, I don't know. May, maybe what happened is fine. I know that the tie <laughs> here gives gives each of them both a full pendant, so technically yeah, the yeah, purple yeah. parrots win. But on other episodes where there actually is a full-on tie in terms of that both of them end the, end the games yeah. uh, with an actual tied number of pendants, it is the most unfair tiebreaker system <laughs> I've ever seen where they pull out a portable uh, podium, ask a single question, first person to answer, you know, answers, and if they get it right, do they win the tiebreaker? If they get it wrong, they lose the tiebreaker. So you, you, it's like for trying and failing, you get punished yeah, <laughs> more yeah. than the person who didn't try. Man, yeah, this is unforgiving here. Yeah, at uh, sure. Legends. But purple parrots uh, by, are a winner. I imagine at this yeah, point, Jacob, you're default. going wild. I'm I'm legit excited. I am sitting forward in my seat. I put my drink down so I can't miss anything. I am cheering. I am saying this is yeah. the time. We've, it's been all. It's been so many days of me binging this show, and I am ready for my my guys, my my, my people, to win this to take it home. They did so well. They have a pendant and a half. I mean, yeah. sorry, two pendants. They have two pendants, which is great because that means yeah. oh yeah, yeah. If you if you encounter three temple guards, um. Yeah. All of them. As long as you have two pendants, you can get through the whole thing. You and your yeah. teammate can, can conquer the temple for, for sure with two pendants as long as you make your way through the puzzles at a speedy pace. The temple guards are a non-factor when you have two yeah. pendants. Yeah. And my guy is going in here with two pendants. It, ha- it can't go wrong. It has to go right. This is the moment. Anyway, that's, I was, that's what I was thinking that it all went wrong. So, yeah. For sure. Oh, boy. I love that uh, enthusiasm, uh, especially knowing what happens. Um <laughs> The uh, prize for the third group of losers, do you catch these? The BK Ratch Techs. The, the classics. Oh yeah. British Knights. Everybody wants them. <laughs> Shoes to anger your parents. <laughs> I, ne- I never had a pair uh, of these. Did you, Andrew? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I never... The- I don't. I remember seeing this being like, is this cool i don't i like i didn't even get it a rat <laughs> cool. like what what is this it's no la gear but it's all right yeah uh, gear, you know 
Um, well, we move on to the temple. You could start by running to the room of the three gargoyles. Push in the correct tongue, and a door might lead you down a stairway and across the troubled bridge. You can then race up to the observatory, spin the sundial, and pass into the treasure room. There, you might open the treasure chest and climb down through it, or try to enter the shrine of the Silver Monkey. Assemble the statue there, and you may be headed for the Pirate's Cove. Spin the Pirate's Wheel, and you can descend into the dungeon. You could plow through the stone wall, find the key, and it may unlock the tombs of the ancient kings. Next, you might climb through into the swamp. If you escape, you may have a chance to enter the room of harmonic convergence. Stand on the proper two steps, and the doors may open. If the rock slab is up, you could run through the pit of despair and finally make your way through the cave of size and back to the temple gate. The choices are yours, and yours alone. Good luck. Uh, but before we go there, Kirk lets us know what the potential prizes are for the winning team. And for your effort, you will both be handsomely rewarded, and here's how. We're just getting into the temple, you're both going to get Nico's Roadway. Shakes and rumbles with real truck engine and tire screeching sound. Features a three-channel, high-low-speed, here's electric switch, front and rear suspension, and more. It includes battery pack and charger from Nico. And if you can grab the three-legged bowl before the minutes is up, you'll also receive Tasco's unique scientific big-screen microscope and deluxe zoom microscope with projector hood and case. Great for individual or group viewing. Quality crafted optics from Tasco. And if you can get the three-legged bolt out of the temple within three minutes, you'll both be going to space camp! You'll float like an astronaut and perform a shuttle mission during your action-packed week at space camp in Huntsville, Alabama, or Florida Space Coast from U.S. Space Camp. That sounds great! Which Can is I ask you guys a question about space camp? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess with all due respect to the, to the astronauts out there and to the kids <laughs> who are excited by space camp, <laughs> space camp sounds like work. It sounds like work. You're sending kids off to work at your space camp. Why would I want to go on vacation to space camp when I go on vacation to Bush Gardens or to a dude ranch or to the Bahamas or wherever other place they offer in future episodes and other episodes? I feel like you're going to go on a, go to a week of space camp. You're going to do math and science and, 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 and sit in tight spaces. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Let me do anything else. I mean, that's clear to me now. As a kid, just like hearing the word space, I was like, what do they do there? You know, they're uh, it, <laughs> I feel like part of me is like, do they have some sort of anti-gravity room that you can jump around in? But For sure. I think so. Of course, I think they put you in those not. like those like uh, mock things where you kind of can float around. Um, like bungee. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> like guts bungees. Man, this was my dream. I Space camp was <laughs> I, I wanted to go. I guess you're the one. It's your fault. All of us were threatened the space camp to our lives as an actual prize because of people like you wanting to spend vacations doing work. Listen, there's this kid in Ohio who's dying to go to space camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, sorry, guys. But, uh, you know, they're not going to even yeah. come close to winning this thing. So, Yeah, they won't have to worry about what happens at space camp. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is a i mean this is a pretty it, it starts out like a pretty intense decent temple run uh i thought it was gonna go like i thought they were going all the way as soon as shane almost outran that first temple guard yeah uh that was like 
incredible to me. He was like in the next room by the time the temple guard uh, got out of his hiding place. Yeah, he was moving. He was cooking. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be sweet. Yeah, and that, then, that kid knew uh, what he was doing. That, that kid was on the on, He was <laughs> moving so fast. Yeah, the temple guard yeah. had chased him to the next room. And even then, he's like, just throws the pendant at him and keeps on moving. <laughs> it, 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 if his partner showed one half of the drive, I think they would have been going to space camp. I think oh, Kirk. Man. I think Kirk thought so too, because when she goes in, he's like, "Whoa, there's plenty of time. There's like two minutes." That might have been an issue. Him saying, "There's plenty of time." Oh, plenty of time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Take your time. There's never plenty of time in Temple Run. I guess that's the <laughs> yeah. most important lesson any of these kids can learn. Um, the uh, and then Shane gets caught by the Swamp Temple Guard in the most like frightening. Yeah, uh, Temple Guard scenario imaginable. Oh it's God. terrible. It's, it's only beaten by the season two tree Temple Guards in the Haunted Forest. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Oh like, my gosh. But when they emerge from that swamp, was it like styrofoam balls? I don't know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because like other, other you, you know, there's a door back there. Nothing can come through. There's always an opportunity. But this, it's like just nightmare stuff of him emerging from there. And the pendant of life, it, it implies the Temple Guards kill them. You're given a pendant of life. So in, yeah. in the fiction of the temple, these kids are being killed, like picked off one by one, and that is really scary and really cool. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was um, I was reading something about how the dark forest actually was um, very smelly. Like they said huh? that like because of the kids' bo, it like stuck to the styrofoam. <laughs> so they said it, like the set just reeked. <laughs> As someone who used to work in a. Uh, in a haunted house as an actor, I can tell you that haunted houses are very smelly, so the haunted forest or whatever uh, is being, being uh, smelly is uh, checks out. Uh, oh, you Just know what? Another, I, meant to bring, uh, I meant to bring this up earlier, but did you know that Legends was actually supposed to be a haunted house show? Oh. I heard about this, and it sounds, it sounds look, as a horror guy, the, the original yeah. pitch for this sounds really incredible. Yes, I'm, I'm super bummed. that like I'm happy we got Legends, but I wish we would have also gotten like a haunted house show. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this is like the best um, like fantasy game show that I can think of. I mean, I can only think of one other thing that's even like in the same realm, which is that um, Tales from the Crypt Keeper like live action game show, or if you remember this. Uh, but it's like it had a lot of horror elements to it, and it was like a lot of physical stuff. Um, but why isn't everybody making these? Like these are the coolest ones, the ones that everybody seems to remember. It's like start pumping these out. Yeah, there was a horror game show a couple of years ago where people had to go through this like factory type thing. It was like levels. I forget what it was. Oh, it was called. terrible. I, I saw this. It was <laughs> it was bad. And I, I, I look, I'm the kind of monster who's like. Uh, if you can simulate a saw game show of a guy trying to defuse horrible traps, uh, put it put it on and I'll that watch it. Cool. Yeah. Um, like I, I want American Gladiators with uh, real stakes, like you know. But um, uh, but yeah, that that show was. Just, uh, I I just feel I feel like it, it it was so bent on being intense and gritty. I forgot to be fun. Uh, and game yes. shows yeah. need to be fun first and foremost. And I I think that Temple finds that balance. Yes, we I, I've joked yeah, yeah. a lot this hour about. How it's, how it's brutal and unforgiving and a depiction of of childhood as it actually was. But as an actual game show, as a show, how it's structured, how it's paced, how the challenges play out, it's actually a good show. It's built around a strong concept, a strong storyline. And as much as they make fun of it, 
it's actually a good kid show. It actually is a genuinely well done, low budget for what it is kind of thing. And I really wish that more modern game shows were looked at what this show did right. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Jacqueline enters the temple uh, and starts making her way slowly across to where um, Shane ended up. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of feel really feel for Jacqueline during this. She's like trying her hardest. I feel like, even though maybe it doesn't look like it. Um, and there's moments here where she's going through and I would swear Kirk Fogg is yelling out commands that I'm like, what are you like? I'm trying to figure it out. Just watching it, what he's talking about. And, he's you know, trying I can't to help you. Right. He's trying so hard, but I just feel like we have this dollhouse view, this Wes Anderson dollhouse view of of, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of of the temple. She doesn't. She's in the temple. Things <laughs> are clear to us aren't clear aren't, aren't clear to her, and that makes it really like really frustrating for us. But I'm, I'm imagining her terror, Kirk Fogg screaming at her, temple guards <laughs> possibly leaping out at her. These yeah, confusing yeah. rooms all look the same. Uh, who knows how the doors actually look unlocked or not? So she's doing all the same things her partner yeah. did, trying to, and it's. I, I, I make fun of it. I laugh at it, but also like I'm trying to imagine the sheer terror and the noise of what she's going through right now. Yeah, yeah, and all that pressure on you to win this temple run. Yeah. Um, Had to be disorienting. I, yeah, yeah. Um, she finally ends up in the pirates' cove where the three torches just do her in i'm afraid yeah it's her it's her um, shrine of the silver monkey it's you know she just yeah. she's gonna just have to hit the she's gonna have to get a torch you're gonna have to get a torch and put it into one of the holes one of the holes in the front it's the room of the three torches right in front of you in the very front you have to put it the torch in the hole in the front no, the other hole in the front. In the very front. There you go. Now she found it. Which one's gonna open? Oh, nice try. Nice try. I, you know, it, another thing that's kind of tough about this is like, you gotta remember all these crazy, the way the crazy different room puzzles work before you get there. So like she gets to this like, seventh room or whatever and she's like what is happening now like you probably just like completely forget Olmec's uh explanation i, I do yeah, i do wonder disappointing. like watching these early episodes i mean presumably these kids don't know what the show is they sign up to be on a game show <laughs> but i wonder like by, by season two you, you have kids who have watched legends in temple mm. and know the pacing of the temple and know how to perform yeah. better uh Whereas these kids, these are these are the pioneers. These are the astronauts. These are these are, these are the Apollo missions. They're fun. they're they're going places no kids have gone yet. It's exciting. Yeah, these are the wannabe uh, camp astronauts. It all, it all makes um, sense now. The, the space camp makes sense under this metaphor, I guess. Okay, I, I, I get it now. Um, I also just want to note, like, there's this brief scene before the temple that happens where Olmec's like explaining all the rooms and he's like, you know, maybe you go here. And this is just like another brutal um challenge is is he's always wrong. He's just like telling you some of the rooms, but it's like yeah. you can't go that way. Yeah. I'm not even sure I'm just listening irritating. to him if I'm a kid. Like I'm you know, I'm just mentally prepping. Well I don't know. <laughs> Here's a question I have. I know it's every single time. 
before the Temple Run starts. Kirk Fogg asks the kids, are you going up or going down? And they always say, up or down? Oh, and yeah. every time I wonder, are there temple guards like oh, on scaffolding yeah. behind the temple, repositioning based on what they ah, say to try to maybe. mess up their run? A hundred percent. That could be. It's so bo- <laughs> it's so bogus that he even asks. Like, if I'm a kid, I'm like, why do you need to know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> man, what, what, what an evil thing. Kirk Fogg. Uh, E2 Kirk Fogg. <laughs> Uh, um, and we've talked about it before, but the temple guards were the staff writers, um, or, or were the writers uh, on the show. So they would like, you know. Oh, so they were definitely stoned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they said that they like, they live for it. Like you know, they'd get dressed up. And, uh, um, you know, I also just want to note that this temple run was pretty tough. Like it looked like they were being forced to go across to the very back of the temple. Um, whereas sometimes like the kids get away with a short run, you yeah. know, where they like clear it pretty easily. Um, so you know, yeah, if all you're the, all part of the challenge, if you're yes. a psycho like me, there's a, there's a good wiki fan page that, um, gives the layouts there. So in total over the three seasons, they use 15 temple layouts. Wow. Um, and this is called layout number five. Um, so and it's it's uh i'll in the trivia i'll give some more details but it's a very hard layout in fact maybe the hardest um so why isn't there like a mobile game where you have to drag and drop (laughs) rooms create your own temple and have kids try to run through it yeah like amusement park that would be fun yeah um well that that rounds out the uh the episode right andrew yeah. What the, a sad uh, ending. What a, what a the, really disappointing <laughs> sad ending. What a but bummer most, of an ending. But most of them I are. Mean, most of them are uh, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing, for sure. <laughs> but the fact that the Purple Parrots will, in the 30 episodes I've logged, will only get, have only gone to the temple one more time, they failed them too. It's just <laughs> heartbreaking. It is oh devastating, God. and I can't get over it. Um, I'm just... How many... How many victories have you seen, like, approximately? Oh, I can pull up my list right now and tell you. Um, <laughs> in fact, I will tell you who has won so far. And you guys can... All right. Uh, Orange Iguanas. Sorry, Silver Snakes win. Yeah. Blue Barracudas win. Oh, boy. Red Jaguars win. Silver Snakes win. Green Monkeys win. Blue Barracudas win. Uh, Blue Barracudas win. Red Jaguars mm-hmm. win. And Green Monkeys win. So that's a total of one... I think that's nine. Two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, nine victories out of 37 <laughs> episodes I've, I've counted. So it is a very poor wow. track record. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot of losing. Yeah. Oh, boy. But at the same time, though, doesn't if they won every time, it wouldn't feel special when they won? That's true. It does feel like... Feel, incredible. It feels like really like a remarkable achievement. To pull it off. <laughs> and and certainly as a kid, it's not like now with the internet and being able to like live sh- or to stream shows. Like you weren't really. I don't. I didn't feel that aware that it was that hard to win. I feel like only as an adult have I, in retrospect, learned mm. that it was impossible to like beat this thing because yeah. I felt like oh yeah I saw someone win so it's doable. Um, yeah, but yeah. you know it wasn't really. Not if they not if they decided they didn't want you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Andrew, should we look at some of the stuff that went into the episode? Sure. Hi. This is Bios, Trivia, Ratings, 
and stray observations. Well, I took a look at, of course, our two main people on this show. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Fogg. Um, he has done a lot of sort of different stuff, um, but the most notable thing, I think, is he was in the pilot of Veronica Mars somehow <laughs> um, as a district attorney. I don't know okay. wow. how he got involved, uh, but I love it. Um, and the last thing he's done... Um, is the Legends of the Hidden Temple TV movie, which yeah. um, I still I haven't ca- watched. I yeah, know. I never caught the whole thing. I'm interested. Yeah. The, the, the magic of the original show is unscripted. It, 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 like a sporting event, the, the, yes. the true unpredictability yeah. of it is what makes it exciting. So I don't need to watch a scripted version of, of that. I, I need the, the raw, undiluted magic <laughs> of things going yeah. wrong for everybody. <laughs> um. And, of course, uh, Old Mac, we mentioned, is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who has done just... Uh, he has a 627 acting credits on IMDb. Uh, just absurd. Um, pretty much one of those people that has been in, like, everything you can imagine. SpongeBob, uh, Samurai Jack. Currently voices all of the clones on all the Star Wars animated Clone Wars shows. Oh. Being, <laughs> like, the entire lead cast of The Bad Batch, the current Star Wars show on Disney+, Plus, is entirely T. Bradley Baker. So good for him. Get paid, Mr. Yes. Baker. Yes, that's amazing. I love it. And it, they said it's he's not just voicing it. Like, he was standing in the head, moving the lips. He was puppeteering it. <laughs> wild. Absolutely wild. Must have been, must have been miserable <laughs> in the head. I'm very excited. <laughs> Which, which oh, I think explains yeah, sometimes, like, when the kids are, like, guessing early or the wrong answers, you can almost hear the frustration in his voice of, like, shut <laughs> up, like, let me finish. <laughs> um, yeah, this is another guy who um, started out uh, dubbing anime in the United States. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Kirk Bailey also started out that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, sh- I think I want to say on YouTube there's a pretty funny with actual Kirk Fogg. Uh, it's like a parody of Thirty for Thirty, but it's Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, it's like a <laughs> short video, so if anybody's looking for a good laugh, uh, they made like a parody of like <laughs> uh, Legends, just as a quick thing. I looked at the director. Uh, I think his name is Charles Kayup or Kayup. Um, he directed all episodes of season one of uh legends uh, so he was the go-to guy and then every anything else in his career he was what was called the technical director on shows including sweet market uh supermarket sweep the jamie kennedy experiment the sweet life of zach and cody america's got talent ridiculousness dancing with the stars whose line is it anyway uh and he's directed a bunch of the um independent spirit awards uh, for film um, on tv so he's He's not a director anymore, but he's a technical director on a bunch of TV stuff. Um, yeah, I think he Cut does teeth much on uh, Legends. Yeah, oh yeah, Legends made him. Made it. <laughs> <laughs> As it did for many. Uh, trivia, Andrew? Um, I don't have anything. Oh my god, I have so much. Um, okay, well, so this... <laughs> This temple layout was used uh, on other episodes as well. The Golden Cup of Balthazar, Ponce de Leon and the Lost Fountain of Youth, the Treasure Map of Jean Lafitte, uh, Blackbeard's Treasure Map, the paint and the Paintbrush of Leonardo da Vinci, this exact temple run. Um, season 1 had nine layouts of the temple. 
uh, where season two only has five and season three only has one temple layout um, mm. they move around the room but the layout's the same and this temple in particular is infamous for being the uh the only one of the 15 to not have a team win let alone reach the artifact uh, um so wow. anybody who <laughs> used this template uh, anybody who had this temple temple five never won or reached the room where the artifact was oh man it's like when you definitely need the kids to lose temple five Call in the temple. Budget's a little tight, guys. We got, we got, we got to make sure we save some pennies on payroll this week. Is make sure those kids lose. Yeah. Um, this, but Temple Five is the longest living layout of Season One. It, it was used six times during Season One, um, where the other where the other layouts were only used four or five times. Um, this was the first episode. This episode that we just talked about, where the cons- the first four consecutive teams, as they're announced, uh, make it to the steps of knowledge. So, like, uh, how they introduce the teams, all four of the first make it past the moat. Uh, this is the first uh-huh. episode where a contestant attempts to do the objective of the top corner room um, <laughs> in order to enter the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Uh, whatever that means. <laughs> That's Pirate's Cove, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Now the the um, there's two there's two teams here the red jaguars and the blue barracudas from this episode. That those two teams got to compete one more time on the show. Um, so whoa, yeah. Um, the blue barracudas later appeared in the Pecos Bill Lost Laureate, um, and they wore blue again. And the red jaguars later appeared as the green monkeys in a different episode. So they would sometimes let kids go again if they lost. Those are the real winners. It's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, also, you'll note that certain episodes have different age groups. I was noticing this while binging it. Like, oh. they'll never have like a 14 year old against a nine year old, but they always have a bunch of nine year olds or a bunch of 14 year olds. And I say randomize it. Let the 14 year olds fight the nine year olds. Um. Oh, I got a few more here. Uh, host Kirk Fogg said in a 2006 radio interview that the first episode of Legends of the Hidden Temple took 18 hours to film because of production issues. He said the kids were so wiped, they were crying, they were weeping, because it was like 11 o'clock at night and we were running them through the temple. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he said the only prop that he kept was his denim shirt. Uh, which sits very preciously on top of a coat hanger in uh, in, a, in a plastic bag. And when asked what he carried around in his tool belt or his fanny pack, uh, he said that he kept chapstick and a granola bar in, in those for every episode. Um, that uh, does bring up a good point. I was wondering what happened to all the uh, artifacts. Oh, yeah, after the uh, show. Oh. Olmec was auctioned off in 2002. That was Whoa. another thing I read. Um, I don't know who bought it or for how much, but um, I guess all the legend stuff was auctioned in 2002. Uh, I, would, I would pay pretty good money for a pendant of life. Just yeah, saying, if you have to be a collector, awesome. you can look me up on Twitter and shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll keep it open for you. Uh, our buddy Jace made you and I a pretty good mock one, Andrew. Yes. Very uh, he cool. Sent, he sent yeah. us one in the mail. Um, but yes, uh, that would be cool to have a real one. Though I don't think kids on the yeah. show got to keep anything. 
get your hands on the Oracle Bowl of Delphi. <laughs> There's probably other better ones than that, but guess the real prize would be the Shrine of Silver Monkey statue, honestly. Oh, oh yeah, that gosh. would be the one. <laughs> you have to you force everybody to do it on the way into your yeah. house. I think if you, you have it, you, it, you purposely leave it apart, you know, symbolically. Yeah, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Any stray observations? Uh, yeah, I got some. Um, did you guys uh, catch Cole Olmec's uh, intro phrase for this episode? I think you must have. I don't think I did. You know how he like often says like "Let's rock" or something like that. Yeah. It was a little different this episode. Uh oh. It was. What was it? Let's. <laughs> let's get cracking. <laughs> does he? It's a real. It's a real stretch for a rock pun. It's, 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 <laughs> as far as rock puns go, it's not a good yes. one. Yeah. How often does he change it uh, up? I I didn't realize he went went off of "Let's rock." I, I was I was surprised to hear this one. I don't know. He's changed up a few times in my watching. Not enough for me to track him. Enough times for me to notice. And it's, it's never as good as the first one. Let's rock is clean, classic, simple. You can't confuse what he's trying to do there. Yeah, I like to yeah. assume that maybe uh, D. Bradley Baker was like on the episodes where he changes yes. it up is like when he's drunk or something. <laughs> Let's try a different one. Um, well, Mike on the Silver Snakes mentions he's had uh, he golfs. Uh, he doesn't know what a handicap is, but uh, Kirk asks him how many times he's had a birdie. Did you catch how many times he's uh, he's had a birdie? He said three, right? Right, three times. <laughs> Kirk is baffled. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I, this isn't uh, yeah, this is just a random observation, but uh, at approximately three twenty-five, if you're following along at home, there's this moment where. Kirk's like transitioning to the next scene, but he gives this like Kirk Fogg smile, and the camera zooms up into him for like a couple seconds. <laughs> it's just like this hilarious, uh, like fake moment. I don't know. It just cracked me up. Uh, the contestant Jamie mentions she has a dog. Did you catch her dog's name? Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, uh, Give Jacob a chance to get this one if he. Uh, uh, no, I don't have the dog trivia. Girl. Please fill me in. I'm very excited. <laughs> I, I love dogs. I love dog names. So this, it's criticized a dog name like do these children as they run through the temple. Ironically, its name is Cobra. Right. And, and, Ironic because it's the silver snakes. You know? Yeah, and he mentions he's like, "Oh, Cobra is a snake," and the girl goes, "No, it's a dog." Like she doesn't get that he's <laughs> yeah yeah she doesn't get the joke <laughs> yeah and he's like oh okay yeah right it's a dog <laughs> uh, yeah um did either of you guys catch what uh, what technology comes on those BK Ratch techs <laughs> technology uh, no I mean, technology is a stretch maybe um, cyber glow wow oh cool whatever that is yeah. It's like the they same glow stuff. They, when it's dark out or whatever. The same stuff they put on the aggro crag. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you happen to see uh, who Kirk says the skeleton in the temple is? Or here? Oh, man. No. Uh, he says it's an old contestant. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so are we led to believe that the temple guard catches you, they string you up, and just let you starve to death? And that's what happens. <laughs> I, I like to think yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense. Tense way to like lead up to the temple run. Um, did you, uh, 
what the purple parrots ended up going home with a prize. Sure. You got we mentioned it. You guys know what it is. Um Oh the remote control car, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Nico's Road <laughs> uh Quake. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, I mean again yeah, I'd rather have that super soaker, but yeah, I mean those two are the best, without a doubt. Super Soaker and the Quake. Yeah, uh, car. Uh, this is my last one. What does Olmec say at the end of every episode? <laughs> I've watched uh, yeah. like forty of these in a row, and I still can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know what this means about me or the show. You you ha- you'd have to watch until like literally the last second when it's the studio card. Oh, it's him like making like, a yeah. weird, almost sexual groaning noise. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, he, he says, well, I'll play it here, but it's just. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get what I don't get what it's supposed to be, but uh, yeah. Um, I think it's supposed to be like, since it's called Stone Stanley Productions, it's like uh, Olmec's the stone, I guess. <laughs> Any stone uh, in my mind, really, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> Any stone yeah. reference really gets him going. Uh, well, this episode has no score on IMDb. It has no score on TV.com. <laughs> Nobody's ever scored mm-hmm. it. Uh, but out of five Kreb stars, what would you guys give the Oracle Bowl of Delphi? Yeah. Uh, it was sort of hard for me to judge not seeing a ton of episodes recently, but I give it a four out of five. Uh, I had total fun with it. I thought so, a couple of those early games were maybe like... Um, not the greatest pulling yourself across a wet uh mat not my favorite uh but overall enjoyable uh it was brutal for the purple parrots you know that was kind (laughs) of tough but i liked it still you know it was a fun episode yeah yeah four sounds about right i mean there are in season two the show really becomes the show i think we remember with a better camera better lighting better effects overall but there's the, the pureness here, the purity and the hostility of the se- of season one is on full display here. So you gotta give props. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll go straight fours. I, I just like I I can't uh, imagine. You know, game shows are a little different than like when we talk about like yeah. Pete and Peter. Are you afraid of the dark? It's it's uh, it, you know, I th- I imagine every episode of Legends is a four, um, unless you know, unless mm. there's like a last second win where you know it's exciting oh. or something. I know there's uh, at least one last second win out there. I've oh. seen like the gif for it a million times. You know I can what? tell you I one think... right now. Uh, episode 37 <laughs> ends with uh, with a, a kid sprinting with one second left winning. So uh... I think I've, I, yeah. I, I, the, I think I've seen that one. There's one on YouTube I watched recently where it was like a fraction of a second and Kirk is just <laughs> losing his mind. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess it could be a 4.5 or whatever, but uh, you and I, when we on episode forty-eight, when we talked about our favorite game shows, I think it was unanimous that Legends was the best Nick game show, and um, yeah, yeah it's just great. Um, yeah, for sure. Andrew, did you name for the episode? Did you give the name uh, the episode an alternative <laughs> name? I did, in fact. Uh, I called this one. The Lost Love of Jeremy Jordan. <laughs> oh, wow. You really you really keyed in on that Jeremy Jordan uh, moment. 
Uh, okay, I appreciate well, that very much. I, I think of all, <laughs> of all the deep cuts you could have pulled from this episode, that may be the ideal one. I bow to you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I, I'm going to call this episode the Purple Parrot Eaters. Mm, mm. I like it. <laughs> uh, any, any names you would give this episode, Jacob? I forgot to tell you about this. Oh, on the spot. Um, uh, I would call it uh, A Portrait of Childhood. Ooh. Ooh, beautiful <laughs> or or terrible depending on how you yeah, take from that take from that any yeah. reading you care to based on the contents of this episode <laughs> um oh you know it's another one i just thought of um maybe maybe uh fog of war oh boy jacqueline's yeah, folly with two G, with two G's, Jacqueline's. Did you say Jacqueline's folly? Jacqueline's folly. <laughs> Love it. Oh, um, well, that that rounds out the Oracle Bowl of Delphi. Um, Andrew, what are we doing next time? Uh, next episode, we're doing Nickelodeon trivia. Yeah, with a uh, favorite guest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Melissa will be joining us, uh, our old friend Melissa. She has this Nickelodeon board game she's been telling us about for years. Uh, and she really wants Andrew yeah. and I to do some trivia to see who knows their next trivia better. I'm, I think you're going I think you're going to school me on this. I'm I'm not great with trivia. Um, I don't but, know, man. She was she was talking about it like there's some questions in there that are really hard, supposedly. Yeah. I don't know what that could so, even mean, really. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be fun to listen to. I'm not sure if it's fun to listen to people do trivia, but we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be fun. I, I was thinking about even maybe trying to come up with a couple questions myself. Ooh, uh, that's a good idea. For you guys, just to see okay. if you could come up with anything. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm up for generating a little trivia ourselves. Um, yeah. Uh, well, and, and if you want to send us some questions of your own, you can find us on Twitter at BOC Podcast, Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes. Leave us a review. That's really helpful in getting people to find us. Uh, and Jacob, one more time, tell people uh, on Twitter or wherever, where, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter.com slash Jacob S. Hall, uh, slash film.com for my daily work, and Trekking Through Time and Space, the, uh, the podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, it should be there, but you know, you'll find it. Yeah. Oh, heck yes. Definitely check it out. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm, I'm so yeah. happy uh, you recommended this episode and, and so grateful that you uh, took the time to talk with us. Oh, no, this was great. I, I, I am, I've reached the age where I'm happy to <laughs> em- embrace my nostalgia instead of being slightly embarrassed by it. So here I am. Very good. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, uh, yeah, great episode. And we'll see the rest of you purple parrots next time. I tried
Legends of the Hidden Temple was recorded in front of a live studio audience in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios, Florida.